Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week's episode is brought to you by 99designs. Make a great impression with creative, professional designs from 99designs. Visit 99designs.com slash smart and get a power pack upgrade free. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I am so excited to bring you guys this episode today. I literally just got off Skype with our guest, and I'm so amped up. I was like, let's dive into the intro because uh, it's fresh in my brain, and I'm excited. I'm probably going to be working through the night here just because this week we speak with Collis Taid. Let me tell you about Collis. I first found out about him. I was reading some random article about the top 10 richest bloggers in the world. Collis is number seven. Now, when I initially think of blogs, I'm going, was this like a life hacker or a Huffington Post or what are we talking here? But then when you go look at the company that Collis has now built, calling it a blog is not quite fair. And we touch on that in the interview, how he went from a blog to what he is and what the company is. And we also talk about maybe how you make money online or where to look. We learn a lot about entrepreneurship as Collis has started a number of companies. We also just get inside the mind of somebody who has taken a passion, turned it into a multi-million dollar business that is creating a lot of great opportunities for others. The name of the company that Collis is the CEO of is Envato, E-N-V-A-T-O. 
It's a company that I'm sure is right up your alley. Think about this. The mission statement is helping people learn and earn online. It's a marketplace for courses, tutorials, and then you can also get freelancers and advice. It's just everything you need to build your company or just learn more about the world. Learn learn photography, learn videography. And we talk about the company itself towards the end of the interview. Early in the interview, obviously, I'll, you'll hear it, but... I wanted to see how did he do it? What's it like to start from scratch? What's it like to go into debt on credit cards and live at your parents' house and now have a company worth millions and millions of dollars, travel the world, love what you do, and it's not sugar-coated. He's not saying, yeah, go do it. It was easy and all that. It's just really great advice, interesting stuff. Going to turn it over here to Collis in a minute. If you enjoy Smart People Podcast, please leave us a rating. We really appreciate it. Make sure you go to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter. That's how we can reach out to you. It's our only other means of communication besides this podcast. And we do some giveaways and fun stuff. You can also feel free to contact us there. So, here it is, an interview with the CEO of Envato, Kalis Taid. All right, Kalis, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule because uh, not only are you the CEO of Envato, but you basically run how many different websites? Can you even count at this point? <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, it is a it is a, a lot of sites. We've been trying to consolidate into just a few brands. So these days, I think of Envato as three things: uh, Envato Markets, which is a whole bunch of marketplaces, but they're really one: um, Envato Studio uh, and Tuts Plus. Um, and so, if I think of them as three, it, it you know my brain doesn't fry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, when I looked at the number, my brain fried. So I don't know how you do it. And I, I got to tell you, I found you, I, fir I first found out about you in an article back in, I think, February of this year. I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but it was the top 10 earning bloggers in the world. And I usually don't actually read articles that start with 10 or any <laughs> number, because it's. but for some reason I did, I skimmed through some of them. Okay. And then I found yours and just given the things you have done to become uh, that status with Embato and, and online education, it all flowed so well. So first I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about how you achieve such success in the online business world slash blogging. Yeah, sure. Um, like to hear about the the beginnings of how we got here? Yeah, I mean, really, and, and even as much how you got here, you know, uh, when you went to school, were you always interested in this? You were a designer. Did you know from a kid you wanted to work, you know, on the computer? Yeah. Kind of how did that all come to be? Yeah, uh, so uh, completely the opposite. I, I studied <laughs> math um, at university um, and didn't really enjoy it, uh, skipped a lot of classes. Mm. I was generally not very... Um, uh, didn't really achieve much in that degree, um, sort of got towards the end. I had a roommate, uh, my best friend uh, um, was a web designer, or studying rather web design, and what he was doing always seemed like a lot more uh, a lot more fun than what I was doing. So I, I got a bootleg copy of Photoshop, um, which is terrible. I've since bought many editions of Photoshop, so hopefully Adobe won't chase me down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> got a bootleg copy of Photoshop and started teaching myself um, and early on, yeah, I, I learned uh, most uh, skills, um, even a lot of the skills that I used to run the company, actually, um, kind of self-taught, uh, using uh, the internet, using people, using, you know, any sort of resource I could find. 
but yeah, so from a web designer, uh, I managed to get one or two jobs as an actual working web designer, um, but didn't didn't go too well with um, with uh, having a boss. I kind of wanted to work for myself, so I became a freelancer, um, and then discovered that when you're a freelancer, you kind of have many bosses. So that was like a step in the wrong direction. Um, and then my wife and I, um, we were like, we should start a start an internet business. Um, and so our first, uh, our actual company uh, started as a marketplace. So um, the very first site we ever released was Flashden, which was a marketplace for uh, Flash components, websites, um, uh, preloaders, all, all those kinds of things. And then from there, we just started escalating into a whole bunch of other sites. Uh, um, an early one, and the reason I guess I was on on the list of bloggers um, uh, early on, I wanted to to do a whole bunch of stuff with with the Flash Marketplace, which our developer didn't have time to build. It was like just go make a blog, and you can just publish your competitions and your articles and whatnot there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned about WordPress and just got really into blogging. And because we'd been freelancers, we we started a blog about freelance advice. Um, and that turned out to be really popular, I think, because, uh, you know, it was like from people who'd been in the trenches and, we, you know, we didn't pretend to have figured it all out. Um, right. If anything, we were slightly not that great at freelancing. Um, so I'd learned more bad lessons than good ones. So that was good. And from that was Freelance Switch. And from there, we launched uh, the Tuts blogs, which were teaching Photoshop first and then mm. later we just started teaching all kinds of stuff these days tuts has evolved past a blog per se yeah um, it's become a bit more of a platform but at first it was it was a single wordpress blog and then a few and then like 15 <laughs> well that was one of the things when i saw top 10 earning bloggers and then i went and looked at your businesses i was like this is not a blog i don't understand <laughs> maybe i don't understand what a blog is but so <laughs> it, at one point it was just your simple wordpress like scroll down put a post there and see what That's you can Right. charge yeah. people i guess yes yeah yeah so tuts uh, um uh like originally when i when i'd learned photoshop i i used um online tutorials so l- years later uh psd tuts was actually meant to just be uh i was just like i'll just put my own photoshop tutorials up like i learned from them you know other people might want to learn from these and there wasn't that many really uh, I didn't find there was that much material from professional working designers, so um, and I needed a format, so we used a blog uh, format. It has some drawbacks, actually, a, a blog, especially for something like educational content, because you kind of end up with a lot of stuff buried, right? Which you know, or and not in sequential order. So over the years, uh, we published I don't know fifteen thousand free tutorials, um, but it's it's a bit of a um, uh, it's not an easy to traverse library, and we're often one of the reasons we sort of moved off WordPress and started going into our own custom CMS was mm. to start bringing order to the madness. Sure, sure. Well, I want to go back real quick because, as easy as it sounds, when you put it like that, you go, "Oh, I just went from this to this to this. I own a ton of companies, and I'm worth all this money." Um, you know, when you you started off, you were when you were in college, you were studying math, and your roommate kind of got you interested, and then when you graduated. Was your first job in web design or was it in the field of math? Uh, my first job was making coffee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I finished that math degree and was like, 
wow, I am actually not very good at this and I should not get a job there because not only am I not good, I'm not interested either. Um, And uh, I wanted to be a designer, but at that point I was really not ready. I'd I'd really only just started learning. So yeah, I got a a day job just making coffee and I'd... um, uh, it was a bit of a slow coffee shop, so I'd often read magazines in the uh, um, behind the counter while mm. waiting for people to come in, and then in the night um, would study. Eventually, I went and did a um, like a postgraduate uh, um, diploma in in design as well, just to mm. reinforce things. But by that time, I'd managed to to get my first job. I got a job with a um, uh, a wedding singer. Um, a bit like the guy out of The Wedding Singer, Curly yes, uh, Adam Rare, Sandler. Used to be in an, yeah, a bit like Adam Sandler. He was in an <laughs> 80s rock band and everything. Um, and he cottoned onto the internet kind of early um, and had built a little web design business. And so I joined him. It was just he and I. And uh, um, yeah, that was good, actually. Like working in a small place, you really get a lot of exposure. Sure. Um, you can kind of see the whole uh, the, from you know finding clients through to the the actual making through to you know servicing um, post uh, um, production. So it was that was a, a good experience. And that so, was my first real job, right? And then the transition into okay, I, I don't like working for a boss. And then even the the when you did the um, freelance <laughs> work and you had a number of bosses. And you said, okay, with your wife especially, we're going to start a company. That decision is one that I'd say, especially now with the ease of kind of starting a business, if you will, on the internet, everyone thinks about it. I mean, I really think, <laughs> what, when you made that decision, how, did you just say, I, oh, this will work. Like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm going to work hard enough. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just wondering what goes yeah. on at that moment for people that turn it into empires. What, what yes. is their thought process? Uh, so I think there was a bit of naivety, na- naiveness. I don't yeah. know what the correct word is. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember showing uh, like I I went and bought a business plan book from a um from a, a bookstore. It wasn't a very good book in retrospect, but anyhow, I followed it um, until I got to the financial bit where I got totally lost. Um, but I wrote the other bits, <laughs> organization structure, all this stuff, which was completely unnecessary at the beginning. But anyhow, um, and it was this like plan of how we would make a marketplace and how it would grow epically big and I remember my dad reading and going yeah you know it's good you don't understand just how hard what you're proposing to yeah. do is you'll just wander in there um but in terms of the the you know choosing to start a company and um sort of what goes through that thought process uh, I had been selling flash on a on a flash marketplace called iStock Photo um, and these days I think it's called iStock and, and mostly they're for photography uh, but they had a little category for Flash I used to sell stuff there um, and it did reasonably well except the site was not catered uh, to Flash creators it was all for photographers they just had this little side thing um, but I think uh, when I look back at the sort of decision making process I had already tried selling the products that we would go on to sell and I'd sold it with another marketplace and sort of learned how marketplaces worked, kind of could understand the economics um, and could see that there was nobody else out there 
who was doing a particularly good job for flash makers like myself. So in that sense, the decision to make a business, uh, it wasn't quite as flippant as, oh, yeah, why not? This right. will work. Um, there was, I guess, um, and maybe this is just post hoc rationalization, <laughs> I think there was a bit of thought process. Really? You bought a book <laughs> called Business Plan Making. Like, I think that's there was, right. you know, that's, that is, it's so funny to hear from somebody who has literally made this company that millions of dollars and all that going to the bookstore at the time probably Barnes and Noble how how do you write a business plan i can't get over that and that cracks me up i did a shoddy job of it too i read it recently it was like oh man i really did not know what i was doing but oh that's okay God. sometimes you know you, you, i think my dad was right if you really really understood um how painful climbing a mountain was actually going to be mm -hmm. maybe you wouldn't start it yeah actually Just, i read this article today about how ignorance is such a good trait for entrepreneurs <laughs> And one of the things that it strikes me is oh, oftentimes they say, oh, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have started it. And I wonder, do you feel that you just particularly have a very strong sense of resilience and just I'll go through the wall to make this company what it is? Or was, you know, what was it that led to the success from where you were in that very small blog to now where you are today? Mm. Interesting question. Yeah, I think resilience, um, yeah, being very determined is definitely part of it and uh, quite resourceful. I think I'm quite a generalist. So I, I, although I'd studied math and later I became a designer, I generally pretty good at many things, but not very good at anything. I think that helps a lot. Um, starting a business, you kind of need to, to generalize a bit, unless you've got lots of money to hire people, I guess. We bootstrapped everything, so um, kind of didn't have anything but um, our own resourcefulness and mm. um, resilience. But yeah, definitely wanting things to succeed is a big factor. I think there's a lot of luck in it, honestly, as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't think it's that um, some people are, can just make it anywhere and others can't. Like, I don't think it's like that. I think there's a little bit of, you know, we happen to be, it was 2006. I thought 2006 was really late in the internet game because I'd, I'd read all about the dot-com period. But actually now I look back, I'm like, well, 2006 was a good time to start. Um, so a bit of luck, a bit of um, uh, for, fortuitous uh, skill set. Um, being a web designer was a useful skill set to start an online business yeah um if that makes sense uh, if i'd been an accountant maybe it would have been a bit harder or maybe not i don't know maybe i would have started something else but um yeah i think definitely resilience is a piece of it i, I don't think just being ignorant or just being determined um in and of themselves uh is the key i think um yeah it's a whole mishmash of stuff but i often think you know another uh, another set of circumstances and I, I probably just would have had an interesting flop startup experience and gone back to working for someone. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and in that scenario, right, where you're like, oh, it's either going to flop and I go work for someone or it's going to succeed. How, what is your relationship like with money at that time? Were you, you know, I mean, because that, yes. that can lead a lot of decision making. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my wife and I had just gotten married like a, a year prior. And so no children, no fixed assets or anything. I, I was like 26, I think, when we started, 27, uh, um, uh, and didn't, didn't really own anything. We had a, um, a little bit of savings. Um, and I think both of us are comfortable with a little bit of risk because I think we always felt like, yeah, well, we'll always go live with 
one set of parents if it all <laughs> goes bust. Yeah. Um, and we did indeed end up going and living with Sayan's parents because we ran out of all of our savings and credit cards. Wow. Um, and borrowed from my parents. But so that uh, in that sense, it's it's I suppose we were comfortable with a bit of risk. I did used to worry about money constantly, though. Like mm. when I look back at that period of time when we were starting the business, that was um, maybe 12 to 18 months of freelancing on the side to try to make income while burning everything <laughs> in this black hole of starting a business. Um, that was quite a terrifying time, but not that terrifying because at the end of the day, you know, we were young and I didn't have dependents. And... It's so, that's so <laughs> fascinating though because, you know, oh, we're willing to take on a little bit of risk and I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what that means. And you're like, we spent all our money, all our credit cards, <laughs> lived with our parents. Now that is... Uh, by today's standards, a lot of risk by, you know, hundreds of years ago. I mean, we talked to Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, and he said, well, yeah, risk back eons ago was you die, right? Yes, so now yes. it's a little different. But how did you, and, and I'm glad you said you were you were really nervous and thought about money constantly, because I know for all entrepreneurs, small, you know, bootstrapping, that is the case. How are you comfortable with, I'm in debt, I, I'm going to have these credit cards, what if I have to declare bankruptcy? Do you remember how you dealt with that? I mean, that was a year, oh. year and a half of your life, you said. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Those six months where it was really bad, when uh, the six months between us going, we're going to start this business and hiring a contractor a developer to help us and spending on you know whatever domains and trademarks and things, and actual launch. Once we launched and we started having some sales trickle in, it seemed a lot brighter. There was like one one month prior to launch where I thought we've just spent everything and we've got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the, the the worst. But yeah, it was pretty horrible. I I really actually dislike having loans. Um, so I've never been a person who borrows, uh, and that was the only time in my life where I really ended up borrowing, having to go cap in hand to my parents and be like, I know I thought I was a man, but here I. <laughs> Still, I guess a bit of a kid. I need a bailout. I mean, it's okay. You know, it's not. It's good to be um, <laughs> humbled a little bit now and again. I think, but it definitely stressed me out. Uh, I um, when I worry about things like money, um, I worry about it at nighttime. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's the same for you. Yes, it's it like, is. Daytime, everything seems okay. You're trying to go to bed, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait oh, how could I pay this thing? And uh, I'm in my mind trying to move money around to see how it could all come together. But yeah, so it was definitely very stressful. Uh, <laughs> now with like eight years perspective, it seems seems okay, especially because we know where the where the path ultimately led to. But... Right. I mean, that hindsight <laughs> is like, now you can look back and be like, oh, that was nothing. But if it didn't yeah. <laughs> work, which maybe was possible, you know, it could be a whole different story. And I think, Oftentimes we hear this like, okay, you can do it. You can go into debt and you can end up like Collis and be, you know, rich and have all this great stuff. But it's probably because you don't hear from the guy that did the same thing and didn't (laughs) succeed. You know, that's right. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I was always thinking, well, if this falls to pieces, I'll just work my way out of this yes. of yeah. loans. But the luxury of that was that uh, I was young and had a reasonably marketable skill set, you know, web design in, a, in that particular time. Of course, I had no idea there was a terrible global financial crisis two years well, true, around the yeah. corner. So you can see that, yeah, timing and whatnot kind of play into these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it must go wrong for 
Uh, there's definitely survivor bias, I think it's called, where you, oh. you just look at the, the, the people who made it and then extrapolate backwards. Sure. Now, I want to kind of talk about, I really want to speak to those people that are either considering or are in the beginning stages or maybe struggling with starting an online business. And I'm mm. kind of hoping, I mean, I don't have at this point some really exact questions for you because I have so many. But if I could just extract the data from your brain, you know, the, the best advice, I mean, what would it be going back to those levels, to those early stages? What do you think did it for you? There was a few things. So I think definitely going into a business that I understood was a wise move for me anyhow. So, um, you know, the, the thing we started um, – I had a few traits when I look back at it, the flash marketplace. One, it was a revenue-making business from day one. So it was, a, it was a business about selling things. We didn't try to make a Twitter or Facebook where you need to get massive scale before money comes in the door. It was like a, a classic business, sell stuff. Right. <laughs> sell stuff from this person to this person and you know make some money along the way. I think uh, for a first-time entrepreneur, choosing a business which has um, got a clear revenue path is not a bad idea. Um, and uh, more importantly, I chose a business that I had actually seen done. So I'd, you know, I'd participated as a seller on a flash marketplace. Well, it was for other things mostly, but, you know, I'd, I'd seen the mechanics and understood it and kind of replicate a little bit. So it wasn't, um, I think sometimes we have this idea of entrepreneurs as, as, um, visionaries i'm sure there's lots of visionary entrepreneurs out there i'm not one of them i'm like i was just like a guy who wanted to make a business i'd seen a business i'd worked in and kind of understood it and thought of a few little tweaks i could make to improve it and and specialize it and carry it to a different niche and then after that it was mostly about execution um and execution don't get me wrong is is um it can be difficult and is uh, you know you don't want to like um, make like that's no big deal. Um, but I, I can see that no matter how good my execution was, if I'd picked something which I didn't really understand or pick something where the economics didn't actually work or pick something where the market was already full or pick something that, you know, any one of other a number of problems, no matter how good the execution was, it might have just fallen on his face. Um, but I selected something, uh, we selected something which was a very known quantity. Um, and I think that was one big piece. And then the execution, you know, being really tight with money, um, being very careful about how we spent and how we used those resources that we had, focusing on the, the things that were going to be the most important to get out the door so that we could make money, so that we could pay things, so that we could make more money, Sure, um, all that kind of stuff. It's that point in the show where I get to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, 99designs. At 99designs, you can get anything designed through their marketplace. Websites, book covers, car wraps, t-shirts, you name it. We recently went through the process of getting a sticker designed through 99designs. We launched a design contest and had dozens of designers competing for our business. By the end of the contest, we had over 100 designs to choose from, and Chris and I chose the one we loved and got it turned into a laptop sticker. At 99designs, you get access to over 310,000 designers, and there's always a 100% money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Head over to 99designs.com smart and launch your design contest today. Get whatever you want designed, whether it be a t-shirt, a logo, a sticker, a car wrap. Maybe you want to put your business on your car. Who knows? 
Go to 99designs.com slash smart to get a $99 power pack service upgrade for free. We thank you in advance for supporting 99designs, who has been an amazing sponsor for Smart People Podcast. Squarespace is sponsoring our show today. You know we love them. They have been a supporter of the show for a long time, and they are one of the most fantastic ways to create a website. Squarespace is fast and easy. It's really affordable, $8 a month, including domain name. I mean, you can't beat that. And drag and drop, so you don't need to know a lot of website stuff. You don't need to know coding. I know none of that, and I've created at least, I think, four websites now, including a couple for myself and for friends. You can create blogs, professional-looking websites, portfolios, online stores. They have all the things needed if you want to set up a store. Everything you need to get the your piece of the web, which you should do. If you're not on that train, you should be doing it. They have 24-7 support, which I have had to use. You can just chat with somebody, and they'll fix it right then and there. Another reason why we love Squarespace is they're offering Smart People Podcast listeners a really cool incentive. Go to squarespace.com and you can sign up for free to try this out. Okay, there's no money, no credit card required. Once you set up your free website, tweet to the hashtag SmartSquarespace. Okay, so set up your website, tweet to SmartSquarespace, and then we're going to pick one. And Squarespace is actually going to give that winner a free business level plan. Normally, the business level plan is $24 a month, but Squarespace is going to upgrade you to that for free. So again, make sure you tweet to the hashtag SmartSquarespace. Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to go to squarespace.com and use the offer code EXPERT. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it'll show your support for Smart People Podcast. We thank Squarespace for their support of our show. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Yeah, and I'm so glad you talked about the thing about uh, replicating a previous business model and how you know some people are visionaries and some aren't. Because I actually, one of the very few questions I actually had written down for you was, how do you deal with the fact, and I guess you were kind of early, but that these businesses do exist. I know even myself, I'll come up with an idea. It could be honestly a slam dunk idea. And if I search on Google and one person has done it, oftentimes I'm like, ah, oh, God, I can't do it, you know? <laughs> and it, I know it's that's the most defeatist mindset ever, and I'm trying to work through it. And I know a lot of people deal with that. What is your advice to somebody who says, I'm really interested in this, I think I can do it, but it's out there and it exists and I don't know if there's room for me. Yeah, for sure. I think the, um, there's a, uh, a bunch of classic entrepreneurship sort of lessons that apply. Um, uh, certainly differentiation being one of them. So um, you wouldn't want to do exactly the same thing as someone else is going to do. But I think you'd, especially if you put some of your personality into it, you'll naturally differentiate. Um, and picking something where you feel it's an actual problem. Like if you've got a problem, right, something which bugs you and you're like, if I could solve this, it would be a great business. And then you discover someone's already solved literally the problem you have. If you can't differentiate a solution which you feel is better, then, yeah, I suppose sometimes there is a um, a case for, oh, maybe this is a bit done. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally speaking, I think many markets, as long as you're, the scale of your ambition is not um, like there's probably only space for one Facebook, um, if that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. I'm pretty sure there's space for a lot of small social uh, um, businesses. Hmm. Uh, just needs to be more targeted, smaller. And as long as you're you're not trying to capture the world, I think there's usually space for niche businesses. 
it depends a bit on, as I say, your your um, ambition level. But I've always been of the opinion that it's better to start small and um, make that thing a success, and then step to a, a slightly bigger success, like a kind of a beachhead strategy. You know, capture a little area and use that to get the next area. Smoking like a true Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the lousiest Australian too. <laughs> My accent's all wrong. That's I actually really grew up funny. in Papua New Guinea where I um, went to an international school. But uh, I do have an Australian passport, so I am. <laughs> That's right. I eat Vegemite. You know. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's like made of yeast extract. I don't know how they do oh, it, wow. but it's like uh, this sort of spread that foreigners think is disgusting. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That sounds interesting. <laughs> so for people today that look and say, okay, well, Collis did it in 2006, which by the way, makes me feel a little bit better because a lot of people we talked to that made it on the internet and they, they I mean, they made it because of the time they got in, you know, they just, yeah. it's like, I grew up in the neighborhood where AOL was headquartered and yeah. everyone who was 30 years old, I mean, I was a kid, but was a millionaire. And it was just because they happened to work at the local company. It wasn't, they didn't do anything special. I'm sticking by that. But, um, but I mean, you did it in a time where looking back now it's early, but it wasn't too early. What about people that are looking at doing it now where there's hundreds, literally hundreds of millions of blogs out there? Mm, yeah, I think it is definitely much harder today to do um, some of the things that succeeded in like that 2006 period so like as i say if you were going to start a social network now probably that boat has sailed if you're going to start like just a straight blog about gadgets um you know there's been quite a few gadget blogs now. <laughs> um, I think the challenge at this point is more finding um, something which is a bit novel, a bit differentiated. It's like I've noticed lately I see a lot of um, blogs focusing on facts and um, numbers and data visualization. That seems to have been a thing um, that's uh, happened in the last year or two. I, I may even be a little off. Um, maybe it's been happening longer, but it was it seemed like it was a trend where all of a sudden I saw a lot more um, news outlets and blogs that um, just did data stories. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some examples: uh, Quartz, um, Five Thirty Eight, uh, Priceonomics. There's a whole bunch of them that came out. Mm -hmm. That was something that didn't exist in 2006. There are other things like that that don't exist today, if that makes sense. Um, or variations. I look at BuzzFeed. I know BuzzFeed isn't oh, yeah. the pinnacle of journalistic integrity necessarily. <laughs> Don't get me started. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, or highbrow, yeah. or whatever it is. But on the other hand, they definitely did something kind of novel. Like, you know, as a, just a pure entrepreneur, you sort of have to admire the fact that in a space which I thought was finished, you know, I, I kind of felt like um, a Business Insider and Huffington Post and all these guys had already done lists and things to death, these guys suddenly found a, a, a new sort of way to do it. Um, so I, I think there's always, there's always space. Um, I think it helps to go to things which are, feel more cutting edge. Um, so if you're starting a blog, think more about mobile and social and things which are a little newer. Maybe I mean, it's not like mobile and social just launched, but, you know, <laughs> um, things uh, rather than just a straightforward blog. Unless... Yeah. You have an amazingly different voice, in which case maybe maybe it could still work. Or you have a, 
um, you already have an audience from somewhere else. Or, but there has to be something. I think it's not enough to just do what has come before. Um, you definitely want to find some way to make it novel to differentiate. How would you recommend? So I'm thinking about. I mean, there's somebody like a BuzzFeed, or they're a little different. I mean, they're an informational almost, if you will, blog. And I know you were selling a product. A lot of people out there uh, want, you know, they have an expertise. Perhaps it could be of service, but uh, not necessarily a product. Have you seen, given just your being in the space for so long, what tends to work? What tends not to in terms of monetizing a blog that? starts to pick up the pace and get a little bit of traffic? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would say advertising is the hardest <laughs> of all the, um, mm-hmm. the ways to monetize. It depends a bit on your... Um, if you somehow managed to make a giant blog about home loans, you'd probably kill it on advertising. Yeah. <laughs> but for a lot of niches, it's, it's pretty hard going. Um, services, uh, information products... Um, those things all work well. I actually used blogs a lot to build audiences to then transfer audiences into other products. So early on in our life, our marketplace business was very financially um, well suited. Like it's it's a good business model, you know, um, many to many transactions. You're taking a clip out of every transaction. It's quite a good business model in the scheme of things. Um, and we use the blogs partially to funnel traffic into the marketplaces. Um, I think that can work quite well. Of course, that means you need a another thing. Right. Um, service type stuff works quite well. So we, we do lots of work in WordPress. Um, like we run one of our sites as the largest WordPress theme marketplace. Um, so I'm quite familiar with the WordPress space. And there are, like for example, there's a WordPress security blog with a consultancy sort of attached. Um, that's a, a, a good space to be in. It kind of establishes your consultancy is experts uh information products is another uh, a good one so tuts um we ultimately sold like because we sell both advertising and subscription-based video courses um selling the courses uh triple is like three or four times as much income as the advertising even after all these years even after we've optimized even after we've got scale wow. you know it's like 20 million page views a month so it's a reasonable amount of traffic <laughs> reasonable um, come on you're, you're so modest <laughs> But yes, that's fantastic. I guess yeah, it's it's uh, um, depends on yeah <laughs> on the, the scale of things. But yeah, it, it's um, for advertising. Turns out, I don't think that's that substantial to mm-hmm. make a really um, in. I guess it's all commensurate. So to make an advertising business that can pay for the content that you need to to sustain that much traffic, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, it does definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, advertising is the one I would be most wary of, although it's the one I've tried the, the most number of times. Well, I mean, that the reason is because it's the one that everybody knows about. Like for um, yeah. for even for mobile apps, right? You know this app? Oh man, I'm gonna sound like an idiot because I don't know it. Oh, Clash of Clans. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, sure have. So you know, I was just watching football, American football. That's the season kicked off yesterday. And they, this, this app had a commercial and I mean, the commercial had to have cost millions of dollars, probably. I don't, I don't know, but a ton. And I'm thinking, how does an app have money to just put on a commercial? And I asked somebody and they said, oh, they must advertise on it a good amount. I thought that's a hell of a lot of advertising. <laughs> and maybe it is. I don't know. 
I think they make their money through in-app purchases, actually. Oh, okay. the, yeah, all the biggest um, apps, I haven't actually played it, but I'm 99% sure. The, the largest apps, they, um, they've taken gaming in this really weird direction where you have to pay to succeed at games. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's, I guess it depends on where you sit on these things. Some people, I think, are like, well, it's fun. That's why people do it. Uh, personally, I've always felt a bit like you you download it for free, but you end up paying hundreds of dollars in some cases. Yeah, and I know sometimes there's parents who their kid plays it and then they yeah. charge it to their <laughs> iTunes account. But we're yeah, not, you know, yeah. we're not here to judge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a I mean, it's a free world. They don't do anything uh, illegal or yeah. <laughs> fundamentally immoral or anything. And I want to kind of get into Embato here once in one second. The last question I had for you is. Do you have any sense of the future of online business? I mean, where you think it might go or niches that haven't been discovered or things that really interest you? Or are you just head down in what you're doing? <laughs> Definitely a bit head down in, in what I'm doing. I think uh, uh, one thing I often think is that we will look back in like 10 years time at this time, the same way that I look at 2006, that mm. although it sort of feels like, oh, wow, so much stuff has been done it was only like a couple of years ago that Airbnb and Uber came out right. and um, rose to prominence. And all of a sudden, they're like tens of billions. <laughs> so I sort of feel like, um, although in one way it feels very uh, saturated, and there's definitely a lot more people have uh, taken a shot, um, I do think there's still a lot of opportunity out there. Definitely in marrying online and off seems to be a big thing at the moment. You know, um, for such a long time, everyone was always talking about mobile, the rise of mobile and how it was coming and how it's going to change everything. Like that sort of has happened um, and has kind of given rise finally to more um, global, local things. You know, um, globally find a local place to stay, globally find a local car or local food or local whatever. That seems to be a very interesting space at the moment. Um, though it's um, thanks to Uber and Airbnb, it's also incredibly saturated. Uh, I noticed the last Y Combinator um, class was full of people looking at um, physical things like batteries and plants and whatnot, um, and often with some level of uh, internet somewhere in the in the picture. Um, I think that's another interesting place. Yeah, I think frontiers will continue being opened. Uh, I certainly am very buoyant and optimistic <laughs> about the future of the internet. Yeah, well, that's good to know. For all of us who feel like we missed the boat, maybe there's some hope left. <laughs> well, I think so. Yeah. Well, I really, I did want to talk to you about Embato and 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 also Tuts Plus because not only are they just really unique, uh, amazing sites that, that do some great things. But it's so core to what we believe in here at Smart People Podcast, which is just continual learning. So for those that don't know, I was hoping you could give a little bit of an overview of, of what your company does. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we think of ourselves as a creative ecosystem. So you kind of can find anything you need to make a, a creative marketing sort of project. So if you needed a website or a um, a print flyer, you're starting a business and you need a, a brand identity. We generally have a few different ways you can do things. Um, uh, Tuts Plus, you can learn to make stuff yourself. Um, so there's tutorials and video courses on everything from website building to photography to design. Um, generally focused on that sort of creative web um, space. Uh, in Voto Studio, you can hire someone 
um, to do it. So you can hire a person to design a logo or to work on a um, uh, a video project. And it's a bit of a um, it's like a storefront for freelancers. So there's all these different freelancers. They put up services with a, a, a pre-priced package. So they'll be like, listen, I do logo design. It's $150. I'll give you three concepts. It'll take me two days. Um, and you just kind of know what you got up front. Um, and Envato Market is somewhere in the middle. You're a bit DIY. You want to install your own WordPress theme. You want to um, buy something a bit off the shelf, some stock photography, some music. Um, we have the largest volume music marketplace, um, I think we're the largest After Effects marketplace, the largest WordPress themes, kind of all the different assets you could possibly think of for a creative web marketing sort of project. Um, we stuck the lot. And they kind of all fit together in that way. <laughs> but yeah. it is a bit of an ecosystem. Well, it's really interesting, actually. I love the way you broke it down because even after I looked at it for a long while, I guess I never saw in that pure of a description you know there's like do it yourself kind of do it yourself and don't do anything and yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's like that's like a great way of describing it i don't know if it makes a whole lot of business sense sure it does <laughs> but it's it's sort of i think just um i'm very passionate about uh, making things like i think at the end of the day uh, after i became a designer I, I really got into the idea of making stuff um, and I like the idea of teaching people to make stuff, helping them to make stuff, but also um, uh, facilitating other makers to make money. So, you know, if you're a freelancer, you can join studio and sell your services or you can make products and sell them on the marketplaces um, or you can write courses. Uh, so a lot of our core mission in Nevada is to help people to earn money. Um, and we sort of do it through these different outlets. Yeah, I saw that actually on your site, helping people learn and earn online. And I was like, oh yes. my God, that is, he. Will you, first of all, will you come run my podcast? And because that's exactly what, I mean, what we want to do. And it's so cool. So I, I love that. What made you decide, you know what? We want people to be able to earn using our stuff. Yeah. Uh, so well, our very first mission when we started after I'd read said business book um, was to be the world leader in digital goods. And it was like the most depressing mission statement in the world. Yeah. I'd like wake up in the morning being like, well, we're not the world leader. And I don't even know if I want to be the world leader. <laughs> <laughs> this mission sucks. So um, it was maybe a year and a half in that uh, I kind of came to the conclusion and the, uh, we talked with the team and we were like, you know, the thing that actually uh, I think everyone was passionate about was helping the people who sell the stuff or the people who learn um, from our courses to, to succeed. And I think at the end of the day, people, um, people love helping other people. Uh, that's why they listen to your podcast. That's why they use our sites. That's why they sell. That's why they staff our company. Is this, uh, I think that's much more motivating than being part of some business with an arbitrary business goal. Um, and so we sort of pulled that out. That became our mission. We created a set of values, and our first value was about uh, the, we would only try to succeed when our community is succeeding. So we would only make decisions where it's a kind of win-win. So if our sellers and freelancers and um, instructors do well, then that's, that's a fine way for us to do well. But occasionally, for example, there'll be a product decision like we thought, a while back, hey, what if we sold um, search listings on our marketplaces? Because uh, there's lots of money that goes through them. Probably some people would be willing to pay. I'm like, ah, it doesn't really benefit the whole community. We probably shouldn't do it. Even though we might do well, it kind of out of step with our values. And having that set of values and a mission, which was more about 
other people um, has really helped the business form a, a, like a strong culture um, and yeah, attract good people. Sure. Yeah. And then what was the attraction to helping people learn? Like, I'm wondering why do you personally believe that continual learning is so important? Ah, uh, just because I I didn't end up in math. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I my my granddad uh, was a dock worker in the UK. Always wanted to be a poet. No opportunities for poets um, wow. back ever uh, um, in in Liverpool in you know the twenties. Actually, must be the forties, but plenty of opportunity for dock workers. And I think uh, I always got the sense to his dying day, he kind of regretted that he was stuck in one thing. Um, but today, we have the luxury of uh, well, many of us um, in many countries have the luxury of uh, trying our hand at different things. And I think we have the opportunity to learn um, and continuously learn and and try out different careers and professions. And yeah, I think uh, as a person who got to experience it, got to get out of math, got to become a designer and then a blogger and then an entrepreneur, um, it's like so rewarding. Um, so yeah, I'd love it for everybody else to have the same. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, Carlos, I, I, sorry, I know I said I was going to take up a little less time, but you gave me the hour. So, uh, this, it was <laughs> oh, so, it was so great to talk to you. I was hoping was you could, you could tell our listeners exactly that the actual web address for the places that they can visit to either learn about you or learn about your businesses. Where do you want to, um, encourage that they check out? Absolutely. If they go to envato.com, E-N-V-A-T-O.com, there's links to market.envato, studio.envato, and uh, tutsplus.com. They're all there on the main hub. And again, it really is great stuff. I know it'll resonate with our listeners. We'll go ahead and link to that on Smart People Podcast. Thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Carlos. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that fantastic conversation with Collis. Remember, you can find out more about him at Envato.com. That's E-N-V-A-T-O.com. Or you can tweet to Collis at Collis, C-O-L-L-I-S. And don't forget, you can tweet at us as well, at Smart People Pod. Head on over to Smart People Podcast to see what we've been up to and all the different interviews that we have posted on the site. Don't forget that one of the easiest ways to support the show is by shopping through our Amazon link, which is smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. It sends you right to Amazon and you can purchase your stuff as you normally would. Another easy way to support the show is head over to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and review there. We truly do appreciate when people take the time to leave feedback for the show And don't forget that Squarespace is running that contest. So if you sign up for Squarespace, you can go ahead and show them the website that you've built and use the hashtag SmartSquarespace and you've got a chance to win a free year business upgrade, which is pretty awesome. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up, but we'll see you next week.